You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature with Nicole Lowe. Joining us, Nicole Lowe, our specialist and uh, technical editor, former technical editor for Car Magazine. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us again. So, Nicole, let's talk about the phasing out of leaded petrol. What is that all about? Yeah, we almost forgot about it. Um, It's all like like these issues. It's almost like um, with a Y2K buck, we all forgot about it. At some point in our automotive lives, we were all worried about the lead going out of petrol. So, uh, just a bit of history, um, the first unleaded fuel in our country was available in 1996. And then 10 years later, they phased out lead completely, and we had a lead replacement petrol. I don't know if you still remember the lead replacement petrol. LRP I don't. With a, it had a different color. It had the red Bowser as well you can fill. Now you only have 93 and 95, but a couple of years ago, you still had lead replacement petrol. So the big deal with uh, lead in fuel is obviously it's very bad for the environment. Um, and it's also not just toxic for your lungs, but then all the modern cars with the catalytic converters, now we're talking about petrol, right? so it's all petrol engines, uh, it will actually poison the catalytic converter as well. So it's really bad for your health, it's really bad for the emission systems, of course. So they had to get rid of the, the, the lead in fuel. They used the lead in fuel for, to boost octane. Mm. It's a cheap, cheap octane booster. What they didn't know back then was that it also was a dry lubricant for your valves, your valves that seat on your cylinder head. So once they removed the, the lead from the fuel, there was big concerns in the automotive world that you will now get valve seat recess. So that's actually where your valves start grinding into the cylinder head on the seat and it actually recessed and that can cause major mechanical failure and so on. So there was a big concern back in the day and that's why when they phased out lead from petrol, they replaced it with this LRP, lead replacement petrol. But now, like 10 years ago, this, this also started to disappear from the forecourts and uh, people were very worried that uh, some of the engines that's not compatible with unleaded fuel will now get this um, valve seat recession and it will have major impact on our older car park in South Africa. So just to recap then, why was it not such a big deal? So engines manufactured uh, since 1995 mostly used uh, aluminium alloy, alloy cylinder head uh, with a, a valve a seat insert, which was quite compatible then and couldn't actually wear uh, when the lead uh, was, was taken out of the fuel. So if you had an older vehicle with a cast iron cylinder head with now no valve seat insert, that's when the problems can happen. So luckily for us, most of the vehicles, obviously all the vehicles now are compatible with unleaded fuel, but all the older vehicles back then in your classic cars and so on, you needed a late replacement petrol to uh, avoid this issue. But even if you didn't uh, get the late replacement petrol, you could always add an additive to unleaded fuel to give you the, that uh, lubrication properties. Um, and also, I think what saves us as well is the classic car owners, they don't do a big mileages because obviously you will need mileage for those valves to start grinding mm. into the cylinder head to get that uh, valve seat uh, recession. So, yeah, I think all in all, we sort of avoided that issue. 
Um, and we all of our vehicles now currently manufactured can run on unleaded, no problem. It's good for the environment and the catalytic converters can work in exhaust systems. But yeah, um, we can place this, I think now with Y2K Buck, it was a big hoo about 10 years ago. And I think we sailed through it. Um, it seems like we did, but is there anything else that um, those of us that maybe um, are looking to buy new vehicles need to take into consideration when it uh, comes to the fuel that they're using? And by new, I don't just mean new, I mean even secondhand. Yeah, so I think for most of us, we, if we're looking at a secondhand vehicle, we're looking at a vehicle that manufactured after 1995, I hope. Um, if you're into the classic car buying market, then obviously you need to take care because all the engines will have um, cast iron cylinder heads. And then you will need an additive with your unleaded fuel to prevent this, this risk of valve seat recession. But for us, uh, the modern cars are all very capable of running on unleaded and you should actually only use unleaded as well. You can't find... I don't think there's any forecourts at the moment that you actually will be able to find lead replacement petrol anymore. I think it's all phased out by now. But yeah, it's it's good to know that we we survived that, and it's onto the next automotive uh, issue. I think um, when electric cars arrive, I'm sure we'll get some other issues as well. And there were always the talks about uh, the, the lithium-ion batteries uh, catching a light and battery fires and so on. Let's hope it's not a concern going forward. But yeah, we always have these issues in the automotive world that we need to deal with. Definitely. Thank you so much for that, Nicole Lowe. Now we go to the lines on 011-8830702. You can also send through your technical call questions on 0727021702. Let's go to Anne, who is in Santon. Hi, Anne. How are you? Good afternoon, and you? Good, good. Yes, Anne. What's your question for Nicole? I want to find out, please. I have a 1999 Golf 4. She's only done just under a hundred thousand Ks. So she's she's good. She's good but uh in the, I've had one or two minor things that have had to be changed. But um in the last couple of months I've had a problem when I reverse out of my garage. The brakes squeak and grind and they make funny noises. <laughs> anyway, I took her to a place where they replaced the front brake pad and they put on a couple of new tires. But I'm still having the problem when I reverse out of my garage, it isn't inclined and unless um, I press really hard, on the brake, it slides back. This only happens when I am reversing. It does not happen when I'm driving. Could I possibly have some information? Okay, if it's regarding the braking system, uh, I'm not sure which call for. Is it the 1.6 petrol? Is it one of the lower models? Or is it the TDI or the GTI? 1.6, so that's an entry level. What I'm thinking of, I think it's got drum brakes at the rear and not disc brakes, if I remember correctly. It's only the high-end ones that had disc brakes all round. So I would definitely just take it sorry, to a, a brake station. Can I interrupt you? Sorry, so sorry. Yes? I do not have my ABS packed out um, 
a few years ago, and I couldn't afford to replace the S. So I'm just I'm driving purely on my brakes. Yeah, so I would definitely say take, take it to a, a brake specialist just to investigate. I've got a feeling you've got drum brakes at the back and disc brakes up front now, so you've already changed the pads up front. It might be that your rear uh, drum brakes need replacing as well because our rear, the drum brakes works, it only really functions well in one direction of driving and not the other. So reversing a drum brake is not meant to work that well. Driving forward, it will work well, but remember, you've also got a drum shoe that can wear at the back, and if it's going to wear off and it's metal to metal, it will give you that grinding noise you're talking about, and it also won't function that well in reverse. So my my um, my proposal will be take it to a brake specialist. Uh, if you just investigate the rear brakes as well, just to make sure, I think you might have a problem there. Thank you so much, Anne, for that question. Uh, a question on the WhatsApp line. My car's due for service on 30,000 kilometers, but is already warning me to change engine oil. The kilometers are on 28,200. Must I take it in for a service now or wait a bit to cover my warranty? Okay, so there's an algorithm normally with a modern car that will work out sort of what's the condition of the oil like. And there's, so there's that uh, and also your service interval, which is then linked to your mileage. So I would definitely just phone the manufacturer to, to, to make sure that you're still fine with the warranty. Um, I know they've got a, there's sort of a, a mileage plus and minus from the, Indicated. So if it's 30,000, sometimes they're okay with like 3,000 before and 3,000 after without uh, voiding your warranty. My gut feel is just, just, just phone the, the dealership and just find out exactly what is the best way to go. But I think if you're within that 3,000 band on most of the manufacturers, it's, it's okay to go and um, service your vehicle even if it's early. Then you will still only need to go to the next interval. It doesn't move the whole schedule earlier, if you understand what I mean. Yes, yes. Another question. Nickel, is there an advantage to using 95 octane fuel as opposed to 93? So the 95, 93 is just the octane. So it's, it definitely doesn't impact on the energy of the fuel. It's a resistance against knock. So if, you, if you're in the Gauteng region and you've got a turbo car, with high insulin pressures, you like your performance, uh, then your 95 is definitely what you need. But if you're running a naturally aspirated engine, you're more worried about saving money, fuel consumption, and so on, then 93 is perfectly fine. Um, then don't waste your money spending extra on 95. There will be no additional benefit. So in short, 95 is good for your performance cars with high insulin pressures and so on. But your normal daily run-of-the-mill vehicles, 93, 100% fine. You, there will be no decrease in performance and you pay less per, per litre. So it's an easy decision to make. Nicole, I feel offended that you, you referred to my car as a run-of-the-mill. I'm so hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the lines again. We have Pusnam in Benoni. Hi. Hi. Yes, go Good ahead. Question. I've got a 2022 Opel Corsa, 10,000 Ks on the clock. When we're driving at speeds over 120 kilometers an hour, the steering wheel starts to shudder. What could the problem be? Mm. Okay, so the first uh, question is probably, or the remark, you shouldn't drive over 120. But we'll leave it there. <laughs> <Nicole>. <laughs> 
Um, then at the shaking of the steering wheel definitely points to uh, imbalance. Uh, it's, it, I would guess it's definitely your, your, your tires. So get your wheel balance checked on your wheels. If you've done that before, you have to go a bit further. Then it can be something like your CB shafts and so on. But because the car is so new, I would guess everything is still, there's no wear on, on any of those components. And it's simply wheel balance that needs to be done. And then be careful of speeding fines, eh? <laughs> Nicola, unfortunately, you can't help with the speeding fines. So rather we stay <laughs> within the limits. Um, another question was asking, how long can one drive with a reserve tank? When your light comes on. <laughs> so, so that's, what I mean. that's what they mean. I mean, you obviously with a... With the money being tight, we're all watching that fuel gauge and it will go down and down. And all the modern cars has got a light on it. Or some of the yes. cars will also give you your estimated range until yes. you run dry. So remember that calculation all works on your driving style as well. So if you drive like a hooligan, then you might have a lot of fuel left, but it still will tell you it can only do 50 or 80 k still empty. And if you drive very carefully then you can actually go further down uh, with, the, with the fuel level and still have the 50 or 80k range. So it, it takes your driving style into account when it comes to those calculations. Um, but normally a vehicle would be, I would guess, between 80 and 100k's you can do when that light comes on. Um, but it's never a good idea to run the car that dry. You don't want to be stuck somewhere. There's also some logic that says that, uh, if, if, especially with older cars, then there's a, there's a bit of debris and stuff that will go into the last fuel. You don't want to pick that up. Hopefully there's filters and so on that will take care of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not keen on running into that reserve. I, I know some people don't mind that light on in the cluster. I, I don't like it. It's the people that say, I know my car. Those are the people that we're referring to, Nickel. But thank you so much for chatting to us on this car feature. The next time I'm going to ask you about those that maybe fill up their tanks too often. Is there an issue of petrol just being old in one's vehicle? Thank you so much, all of you, for joining us on 702 Afternoons. We're back tomorrow.